Praise the Lord. Well, if you're thankful that the Lord is faithful to speak truth to our lives, say amen. Give him praise for that this morning. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles, Old Testament today. Book of 2 Chronicles, and uh, keep your Bibles open this morning. We're going to start in chapter 29, and then we're going to kind of make our way through uh, a couple of different verses and a couple of different chapters to follow. So uh, keep your Bibles open this morning. We've been talking the last few weeks about how important it is for us to um, live a life of prayer, and we've been reminded that prayer is the key to a victorious Christian Life that if we want to live in victory in our walk with Christ, that prayer must be a very uh, important component, in fact, a continual component of our life, and that as we choose to uh, emphasize and prioritize prayer, that God does make a difference not only in our life, but in the lives of those around us. And today we conclude this series on prayer with, uh, with the encouragement that we need to pray when others are depending on you. Pray when others are depending on you. If you know this morning that other people are depending on you, say amen. The reality is every one of us should have said amen this morning, right? There are others that are depending on us and we need to pray for them. So for our example today, we're going to be uh, looking at a life of a king of Judah by the name of Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. A reminder for us that we're never too young to, uh, to look around and say, hey, who's depending on me? And we're also never too mature. (laughs) <laughs> right? For us to, to realize that others are depending on us. So for every one of us today, uh, this message, I believe, rings true. Let's look at Hezekiah and the example he set for us of being an intercessor. I want you to see this morning a few things. First, that um, when others are depending on us, we have to be aware inward. All right? We're going to start with us this morning. We're going to start with ourselves, so track with me, if you will. When Hezekiah became king, he was very aware that the people he was leading had turned their hearts away from God. They had, be, they had began to, to serve other gods and, and, and other idols and had turned their hearts away, chasing after other pursuits, chasing after other things. And at some point in his life, Hezekiah had, had, had become determined At some point in his life, Hezekiah had decided, you know what, I'm going to serve God, serve the Lord, and serve God alone. You see, there comes a point in our life for every single one of us where we have to make a choice. We're either going to serve God and God alone, or we're going to chase after a lot of other pursuits. Hezekiah made a choice. I am going to serve God and God alone. And because of that decision, when he becomes king, he begins to assess the nation, kind of where they are, see how they're doing as far as a, as a nation following God and really being obedient to him. And as he, as he makes this assessment, he then begins to lead the nation in changing and becoming what God would have them to be. Can I just remind you this morning that before we can intercede on behalf of others, before we can stand in the gap on behalf of other people, before we can be a light to the world and a light to our family, we have to look inward and make sure that we're living in a close relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen. Right? We have to look inward. We have to come back again and again and again and allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and show us anything that wouldn't be what God would have it to be in our life. Because, because, and here's the reason, because over time, things can slowly, things can slowly begin to take up residence in our heart. 
Things can slowly begin to take up residence in our life that shouldn't be there, and those things will begin to crowd God out of our lives if we're not careful. Hezekiah recognized that as a nation, that's exactly what had happened. Slowly, over time, uh, other things began to take up residence, if you will, within the heart of the people, and the nation began to turn their hearts from God. I want you to see that as Hezekiah began to notice that, he did some things. He calls, he calls on the Levites. Now, the Levites are a group of people who took care of the temple, the place, where, the place where God dwelled, the place where his spirit dwelled among his people in that day. And he calls on the Levites who were taking care of the temple, the place where God dwells. And here's what he says to them. I want you to see this passage, 2 Chronicles 29, verse 5. Here's what it says. Hezekiah talking to the Levites. Listen to me, you Levites. And here's what he tells them. Purify yourselves and purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Here's his command. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Now think about this. The sanctuary, the temple, the place where God's, God's presence dwelled among his people. Hezekiah is saying there are things in the temple, defiled things, that should not even be there. And he tells the Levites, he has to tell them, go in there and I want you to begin to clean house. I mean, imagine this with me for a moment this morning. A sanctuary built for one purpose, for God's presence to dwell there, and it's filled with defiled things. How can God bless when the temple is filled with defiled things? So listen to what happens. Verse 15 of that same chapter, chapter 29, he calls this, it says, these men called together their fellow Levites, and they were obedient. It says they all purified themselves. Then they began to cleanse the temple of the Lord just as the king had commanded. They were careful to follow all the Lord's instructions in their work. The priests went into the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord to cleanse it, and they took out, they took out to the temple courtyard all the defiled things that they had found. From there, the Levites carted it all out to the Kidron Valley. Did you hear it? Did you hear it when I read it this morning? I mean, they had so many things in the temple that they literally had to fill carts with all of the defiled things to get it out to the Kidron Valley, out away from the temple. We read right over that, but think about it. They needed carts to be filled with this stuff. I don't think for one minute that they all decided on one particular day, hey, let's fill up as many carts as we can with defiled things and let's cart it over to the temple and let's put all these defiled things into the temple. I don't for, I don't for one minute believe that it took carts for this to happen. But notice it took carts to get it out of there. A reminder for us today that it's that slow progression it's a slow progression. I believe those things were taken into the temple area one small handful at a time. This won't really matter too much. This compromise is not that big of a deal. This attitude, this action for us, right? It's just a little thing. It's just a little thing to take up residence. For them, it was the defiled things. And it became so much over time that eventually when Hezekiah says, enough, it has to be carted out. Can I remind you today where the temple is? The temple is right here. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. If you're glad for that this morning, say amen. 
God created you to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Our call is to be saved, to walk in relationship with God, and then go and make disciples of those around us and share the good news. Share about the hope that we sang about this morning. I have a hope. If you have a hope, say amen. We have a hope today. And God wants to to cleanse us, and he wants to save us, and he wants to deliver us from all of the things that try to get their hands on our life. And then he wants to use us to tell other people, hey, there's a hope in Jesus Christ. I have a hope, and you can have him too, right? That's what he wants to do with us, and that's how he wants to use us. But here's the truth this morning. We can't go and make disciples and make a lasting difference in others when our temple is not clean. We can't make a lasting difference in others if we've allowed slowly, day by day, week by week, month by month, if we've allowed slowly things to creep into our life that has cut off a close, deep, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Because that's what happens. Over time, we realize I'm not walking as close to Christ as I once was. I don't sense his presence in my life as I once did the direction that he used to give me, the wisdom that I felt like he was giving me and guiding me every day, I don't sense that anymore. What has happened? And we realize that little by little things have crept into our lives. I wonder this morning, what do you need to clean out? What do you need to cart off? (laughs) I'm, I'm just never ceased to be amazed. My wife can tell you it's true. I mean, I clean out my garage. I organize I mean, it is, it, is, it is perfect. And then the next day comes, and something comes out of the van and onto the garage floor, and then, then I carry some things home from the church, and then, and then the next day, you know, open the hatch of the van, and, and, and this is sitting out. And well, we don't really need that anymore, but we kind of need it just in case. And so before you know it, just after a few weeks, what happens? I mean, you go to pull a car in, and, and you're hitting things trying to get it in there, right? I mean, okay, maybe that doesn't happen at your house, but I'm just telling you. And it's not like all of a sudden one day we just come in and back in and unload all this stuff in the way. It's just little by little, isn't it? It's a little bit at a time. I went into JC's store maybe yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. I was going to pick up just a couple of things, and I don't know what you do when you're going to pick up a couple of things. Some of you may just try to handle it. I grab one of these little baskets. You ever grab one of those? I walk in the door, I think, I'm just grabbing a couple things. I pick up that basket, and and Michelle is like, all we need is hamburgers, hamburger buns, and baked beans. See, I still know the list, but I get in the store, right, and I'm like, oh, there's a sale. Oh, that's a good deal, and I put that in my basket, and then this in my basket. Literally, you would laugh. I I don't have a picture because I didn't have a hand to take a picture. But I had that basket so full that it, it literally, I was, I was like holding it up with my knee because it was like when I stood in line, I couldn't really, because I had so much other stuff in this hand, and I got up there and I unloaded on the conveyor and I get over and I'd forgotten one of the three things I was supposed to get. <laughs> so I had to pay for all that, take it out to the car and go back in. This is, I'm telling you the truth this morning. I go back in, I don't get a basket this time, and I still walk back up there like this. What I really needed was that, right? Just a reminder for us today how easy it is to pick up and to pick up and to pick up and to allow things into our heart and our life that God never intended to be there. It happens so subtly. Someone says something 
maybe not even intended to hurt you, and yet we grab a hold of it, and it's placed right in there. And the enemy draws our mind back to it, and our mind back to it, and our mind back to it. And maybe at first it was just a little bit of residence, but over time it grows. Over time it builds up. We were doing, I wasn't going to share this, but it just fits. We were doing some cleanup work down at our other facility for the daycare this week. And in the shrubbery, I had this picture and I took it out. In the shrubbery um, that was well overgrown, there were like trees growing up through where a seed had landed and taken root. And no kidding, now these trees were like this big around at the base and, and living up through the thing. And I thought, you know, I was thinking about this, how easy it would have been when that tree first took root to just go over with two fingers, you could have plucked it out. And now, after a couple of years, it's grown up to the point where no matter how hard you try to pull on it, what? There's no way. I mean, you literally have to cut it out. Can I remind you today that things can take root in our lives? Things can take root in our life. If we deal with it right away, guess what? It's so easy just to surrender that and say, God, I'm not going to allow that to take residence in my heart. But if we let it stay there over time and the roots begin to get deep, can I tell you, there's only one way for that thing to be removed, and here it is. It's by God through the power of his Holy Spirit when we come before him and we say, here's my heart, Lord, speak what is true. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in your way everlasting. The only way to get those things out by the root is through the power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And can I tell you today, that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to clean house. He wants us to make room. I wonder this morning, what do, you need to, what do you need to begin to fill your cart with today? In your mind's eye, just picture with me the Holy Spirit pulling a cart up by your life. Think about this. And today he's saying, look, let me help you. Let's just clean it out. Let's just make you new. The attitudes, the actions, the reactions, the, the, the sinful things in your life, you know, the enemy tries to tempt us. The enemy tries to tempt us and just get us to flirt with sin just a little bit. And the reality is this, a lot of times if we begin to flirt with sin, what happens is he begins to suck us in and we find ourselves in a place where we never thought we would be. And maybe no one else knows about it, but you and the Holy Spirit, right now he's saying, you know what I'm asking, you know what I'm talking about. And he wants to remove that from your heart and from your life. We need to be aware inward and say, Lord, would you have your way in me? Would you cleanse my heart? Would you make my temple pure? Can I tell you, others are depending on you. Others are depending on you, and as long as your heart is filled with all of these things, you cannot intercede in the way that God wants to use you. If you believe that this morning, say amen. Like, it's true today. We need to be aware inward. We also need to be awake outward. Let's look now at 2 Chronicles. Let's flip over a couple chapters. Chapter 32. After Hezekiah helps clean out the temple and he leads in turning the nation back to him, back to God, it isn't long and they, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> it isn't long and they find themselves surrounded by the enemy. The enemy, uh, if you read about them, is much larger in size. The enemy is very, very powerful. In fact, the enemy that surrounded the, the, the city of Jerusalem, the enemy that surrounded them has basically conquered with ease every other city leading up to Jerusalem. I mean, it's just amazing how they're just annihilating all the, all the cities that they come against. And so in chapter 32, Hezekiah, he, he realizes this, and he leads the people in such a way that I believe we need to lead the people that are depending on us. You see, even though they are surrounded, 
Hezekiah tunes in to the needs of the people that he is leading. He's sensitive to what's happening in their lives. He understands what they're feeling. And he encourages them to not be discouraged because of what they're facing and begins to inspire them to strengthen their position and their defenses, to do what they can do. And so here's what happens. He turns to the people. They've done some work. They've strengthened the city. They've fortified the walls. Done a lot of different things to prepare. But then he turns to the people he's leading. And notice how he realizes what's happening in their life. Verse, verse 7, uh, chapter 32, verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. Stop there for just a minute. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I want you to realize his eyes are just not open to the circumstances. His eyes are just not open to the enemy that's coming against them. But Hezekiah, his eyes are open to the people that he is leading. He has a deep understanding of what his people, those he loves, those he cares about, he has a deep understanding of what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, what they're going through. And so he reacts to that. Notice he knew, his, he knew these men were afraid and he knew they were discouraged. And so when he begins to speak to them, he addresses exactly what's taking place in their life. He says, don't be afraid. You have reason to fear, but don't be afraid. And don't be discouraged. If our house is in order this morning, if our heart is in tune with God, if we are walking in a close personal relationship with him, I want you to understand that we will begin to awaken to the needs of those around us. When we're living in a right relationship with God, all of a sudden, those that we're responsible for, we're, begun, we're gonna begin to understand what they're facing, how they're feeling, and what they're going through. We'll begin to hear the hurt in their voices. We'll begin to be more sensitive to the oppression and the brokenness of those that are depending on us, which poses the question this morning. I'm finally getting around to it. Who's depending on you? No, I mean it. Like, stop and think about it this morning. I even wrote in my notes, like, slow down here. Think about it. Who is depending on you? Maybe it's family. I guarantee you it's friends, whether you realize it or not. I'll tell you some people that are dependent on you, your coworkers. If you're a Christian here this morning and you're walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ, your coworkers are depending on you. They may not realize it, they may not identify it, but they're depending on you to intercede for them. In some of our cases this morning, if you're not interceding for them, Nobody's interceding for them. God has placed you right where you are for a season, and this is the season, and this is the reason to intercede. Who's God placed in your path who just needs someone to care? They're depending on you. Are you awake to these people? Are you awake to the fact that they're there and that they need you? Is your heart in tune to them? Because I'm telling you this morning, they are depending on you. We have three new little girls living with us. Many of you know that we're foster parents, and we went through a transition, and God's helped us. And um, we have three brand new ones. I can't show you their faces, like that's what I'm told. But here's the tops of their heads, 
and you'll see their faces running around here. They met Chloe for the first time Wednesday night. I couldn't help but sma snap a picture. Um, but there they are, three little girls, three sisters, six, five, and three. Um, so far, so good. Everything's going great. We're already growing to love them. God awakened me, not like out of a sleep physically, but God awakened me spiritually this week to a prayer that I'm praying for them. And I thought, you know, this is a prayer, while the names and situation might be a little different, this is a prayer that we need to be praying for those that are depending on us. It goes something like this. God, help me to be awake and in tune with what they're thinking and how they're feeling. It's impossible, I'm stopping now, it's impossible for me to understand what they're feeling, folks. I can't do it on my own, but can I tell you, the Holy Spirit of God can help me to be in tune with how they're feeling and what they're thinking. Give me understanding into their situation. Break my heart for them. Give me a compassion to help them that can only come from you. Help me to pray for their parents as much as I'm praying for them. And help me not to stand in judgment of their mom and dad. There are enough people doing that. But help me to stand in the gap for their souls. The Lord laid it on my heart this week. Who's standing in the gap for the souls of their parents? A lot of people standing in judgment, but who's standing in the gap? I've painted this picture for you before, but to stand in the gap, we hold God's hand with one hand, and we reach out and hold theirs with the other. And while I've maybe never met them, can I tell you, God knows exactly where they are. And if we're not standing in the gap and pleading on, God, on behalf of their souls, who's doing it? And this is for me. Like, this is the awakening that God has placed in my life. But I'm telling you this morning, I believe God wants to wake us all up to the people around us that we need to be standing in the gap for. Oh, God, would you work in their life? Oh, God, would you change my heart? Would you help me to have your heart in this situation? It's so easy for us and easy for me. I'm just telling you, I'm going to talk about me. It's easy for me to quickly put up a wall and stand in judgment. Oh, God, bring that wall down. And help me to have the compassion that you would have so I can love and pray the way you would have me to. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Tim Harlow in his book Life on Mission, he says this, something amazing happens when we pray in earnest for people. We actually start to love them more. When we begin to truly pray for people, we begin to love them the way that God would have us to love them. So who might God awaken you to help? Who are you responsible for that maybe, just maybe your eyes haven't opened to yet? And even now, I've prayed this week, even now in this moment, that God would awaken us to those around us, that God would awaken you to those around you that he wants you to be responsible for spiritually responsible for. I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking this to me, so I'm going to share it with you. I felt like when I was praying for the girls and he began to deal with me about their parents, this is what I felt like he was saying. Take responsibility for heaven's sake. Take responsibility for heaven's sake. 
lay aside what you, the, pre, the things you don't even know, the judging that you're doing, and you don't even know if it's true or not, lay that aside and be responsible for them spiritually. Pray for them spiritually. Can I just tell you, I believe God's speaking to us this morning and saying, take responsibility for heaven's sake and begin to pray and intercede for those around you. We will never intercede right this way until our hearts are awakened to the needs around us this way. God, awaken us to the needs of the people. Help us to see our coworkers differently. Help us to get beyond some of the annoying things they say. Hey, I got coworkers too, remember? <laughs> Help us to get beyond some of the things they say, some of the things that they do. And God, put our heart in tune with their heart so that we can pray for them the way he needs to. When was the last time you said, God, would you break my heart? God, would you break my heart? Would you break my heart for my kids, my family, the people that you know that I need to love? May he help us. Hezekiah was in tune with their need, and then he spoke the truth into their lives, and he reminded them of who God is. Now, just receive this this morning and think about this, okay? I'm going to read, and you've, maybe you've already jumped ahead and read this, but think about, in light of what we have to share, think about this. Hezekiah tells the people, he says, right, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid or discouraged because of the enemy, for there is a power far greater on our side. He may have a great army. The enemy coming against us, they've done a lot of things, they may have a great army, but they are merely men. We have the Lord our God to help us, to help us and to fight our battles for us. Think about what he's saying here. How many people, how many situations, how many circumstances do we write off? Do we, not even, do we not even think there's any way that God can do that? And yet Hezekiah is reminding us, hey, remember, there's nothing too hard for the God that we serve. I mean, that's taking place. What's taking place in their lives is just the strength of men. But just be reminded today that the God we serve is more powerful and far greater than you can ask or think. He's wonderful. You see, Hezekiah helped them put their problems in the perspective of the God that they served. What would happen if we would put our workplace in the perspective of the God that we serve? What would happen if we would put our friends that are far from God in the perspective of the God that we serve? Can I remind you today, it's God's will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. I know I remind you of that a lot, but I do it because I think we need to not only hear it, but we need to believe it. Like, it is God's will that they come to know him. That's what God wants. And while they might have a free choice, can I just tell you what? If we will begin to pray and intercede and believe that God can do it and that he can work and that he can provide, let me tell you something. There's nothing too hard for God. But we have to do it. We have to pray. We have to quiet ourselves. We have to open our heart and our eyes and our ears and come awake to those around us and their needs spiritually so that we can intercede for them when others are depending on us we have to be aware inward and awake outward but we also have to be assertive upward 
We have to be assertive upward. Hezekiah is in tune with the people and he assures them that, that, God, that God's promises are true, that he's, he's more than powerful enough to be able to, to help them and see them through, but they're still surrounded by the enemy, right? I mean, the enemy's still real. The enemy is still there. The outward problems haven't changed. In fact, if you read about all that takes place here, the enemy comes and begins to lay out the reality of the situation. The, en- the enemy cries out to the people who are trying to defend the city and, and reminds them, hey, you know what? G- g- the gods of the other nations, they haven't, those gods haven't done anything to help them. We've just marched right through there. And they say something like this in verse 15 of chapter 32. Uh, How much less will your God deliver you from my hand? The enemy just speaks it out. There's no way. There's no way. The enemy hasn't changed his tactics much much in 3,000 years, has he? How often does the enemy say to you, there's just no way? I mean, you've praying, you've been praying, you've been interceding. Some of you I know, you intercede on behalf of people that you love and care about already. You're doing that. And how often does the enemy come by and say, you know what? You just pray, but there's absolutely no way that God's going to come through. Tries to discourage tries to upset us, tries to give it, get us to give up. So what do we do? What do we do when others are depending on us and the situation seems hopeless? Can I tell you what? We intercede all the more. We pray, we don't give up, but in faith we call out to our God who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or imagine. If you believe that's the God you serve this morning, say Amen. Verse 20 of chapter 32. Then Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, cried out in prayer to God in heaven. What we don't see here is them responding to the enemy. They didn't, they didn't try to fight back verbally. They didn't try to make a case before men. They just got, I believe, on their faces before God and began to call out to God who they knew would be able to deliver them. They made intercession on, on behalf of the people that were depending on them. I wonder, how do you respond to the threats and the lies of the enemy in the lives of those depending on you? I mean, already, I'll just tell you, already, like I've been praying for the parents of these kiddos, and uh, the enemy's already said, you realize how impossible this is, right? Like, I mean, think about all the other cases. How many other cases have ever come out? Well, they came to know Jesus Christ, and everything was different. And my response to him was a bold, I may not know of another one, but I believe it can happen in this one. You see, we have to believe that what God's Word says is true. God is able We have to keep interceding and keep praying. We talked about in persistence in prayer a few weeks ago. We have to continue to persist and and believe that God is able to do what, what he promises that he will do. We have to intercede. We have to tell God what's happening. We have to tell God what's taking place and ask for his help and his intervention in the lives of those we love day after day after day. We continue every day when we walk in the workplace, we continue to say, God, I may not see it happening yet, but I believe that you're able to work in the lives of my coworkers. God, would you give me opportunity to share your love with them in some way today, in some way this week? God, would you open a window of opportunity for, 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 for me to be able to share with them about your love? We intercede. 
You see, we miss this important step. See, I think if, if I would take a poll today and say, how many believe what I'm saying? How many believe that we should do this? Probably almost all of us would say, I believe this is what we should do. And yet we miss this step of really calling out to God in prayer, of really praying and believing and trusting God to work. You see, oftentimes we're aware of these situations and we believe that God is the only help and the only hope, and yet we don't take time to really pray. I hear people say things, there's a lot of reasons maybe, right, that we stop short of praying, but I, I hear people say this one most often. If God already knows, if God already knows, then why should I pray? You ever thought that? If he's all-knowing, if he knows everything, then, then why should I call out to him? Why should I pray? And the answer is this. Because that's exactly what God tells us to do. Here's just a couple of scriptures. Matthew 7, I've shared with you a couple of times already, but listen. Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Notice what it says? Keep on asking. Keep on praying, right? Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you. Did you catch it? Call to me. Call. He wants to hear from us. Does God know? God knows. What does he tell us to do? Call to him. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And then in James chapter 5, verse 16, the last part of that verse says this. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. If you're glad today that your prayers are effective, say amen. We never waste time when we spend time in prayer. Our prayers are effective. We need to ask and call and pray. Jesus commands us. Jesus sets the example for us, and it makes an eternal difference. God responds to the prayers of his people. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, prayer is, the difference to, prayer is the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do. And let me tell you something. The best I can do is about right here, right? The best God can do, I, I can't walk far enough. Can you? Why do we limit why do we limit what God can do in a situation when if we call upon him in prayer, we open the door for God to begin to work? Hey, let me tell you this morning, something really neat that jumped out at me in this story. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet records part of this story with Hezekiah. And he includes something there that really got my attention. Isaiah 37 tells us that God speaks through Isaiah the prophet Hezekiah. So they've prayed, all right? Isaiah, Hezekiah, they call out to God in prayer on behalf of the people. They intercede for them. God, you know we're surrounded by this army, but we believe that you're greater than the army. We believe that you can do anything, all right? And so in, in Isaiah, it records God's response back to Hezekiah. And here's, here's just a couple of verses. Isaiah 37, verse 21. Then Isaiah the son of Amos, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Because you prayed about King Sennacherib of Assyria, the Lord has spoken this word against him. And it goes on to give a big dissertation about what God's going to do. And God does come through, annihilates the enemy, and gives them victory. But don't miss just a few words from this verse. All right? 
There at the last part of verse 21, here's what it says. Because you prayed about this, here's what I'm going to do. Why did God work? Why was his hand moved? Why was his heart moved toward the people? It's because Hezekiah and Isaiah got on their knees before God and called out to him in prayer and asked God to work. See, I believe with all my heart today that God, yes, God knows all about the situations that we're facing, and God knows and loves the people, but somehow, someway, our prayers move the heart of God. And we begin to call upon him, and we begin to ask him to work according to his will. And we know it's his will that people come to know him. And we begin to call out and pray, God, would you use me? God, would you work in these situations? God, would you open doors? There's no greater prayer that God loves to answer than to give these opportunities. I wonder in your life today, what might God be able to look at you today and one day and say, because you prayed? Because you prayed. Because you prayed. Because you prayed. Because you called on my name. Because you believed enough to set time aside and intercede on behalf of those that I love and they put it in your heart to love. Because you prayed. Here's what happened. See, I believe with all of my heart today that there are situations in our lives There are circumstances, there are people that we love that we need to be responsible for that God is just waiting for us to begin to call upon him and intercede on behalf of those that we love and that we care about. Again, Tim Harlow says, the most loving thing you can do for another person is to pray for them. You want to express your love to a world around you? Pray, intercede, call upon the Lord. Are you interceding? Your kids are dependent on you, you know. Your grandkids, they're dependent on you. Pastor, you don't know my workplace. It's evil to the core. I have to tell you today, they're they're dependent on you. They need you. Don't don't put limits on God. It could be that he led you there to be the one to stand in the gap. I had the privilege of um, touring a plant recently with a friend who's a Christian, believes. As I was walking through that plant, I found my heart drifting a little bit. I began to pray as we walked. Oh God, would you give him favor here? Would you soften the hearts of these people? See, I believe that God has placed him there for a purpose. Now, I've done a lot of plant tours, and this is the first time that I've felt the Holy Spirit come and impress upon me that way, but I believe it was even in preparation for what I'm sharing with you right now. I believe that God can do it. But we have to be sensitive enough to his spirit to pray in that way. Oh God, would you work? I wonder what would begin to happen if when we were driving home we would begin to just pray for the neighborhood in which we live. 
Well, what might happen if the street that we drive down every day, we would just begin to say, oh God, would you let your spirit to begin to work in these homes? You say, I don't know those people. God knows them. What if we begin to pray? What if instead of going into your subdivision and turning in your driveway, you would just take a lap around the subdivision? You'd say, man, my neighbors would think I'm nuts. I drove around every day. But what just might happen if you would say, oh God, when I'm out side this week, would you just give me favor? Would you just begin to open doors for me to begin to build relationships with these people so that they can begin to know you? What if God would give you a heart for 13th Street or the Block of 8th and Central or McCullough's Run or Tipton Lakes or where I live, Country Club Road or Quail Run, your block, your neighborhood? What if God would give you a heart for other students in your in the wing of the school where you attend, and you begin to pray, oh God, would you work? The teachers in your department, we'd go on and on, right? What if we would pray and intercede? I'll tell you what will happen. Do I need to tell you what will happen? God will answer. God will open doors. God will work. Who's depending on you? Who's depending on you? Can I tell you as your pastor, I'm dependent on you. See, we can lean on each other. We depend on each other, but God is depending on all of us to do what only he can do. I'd like for you to stand with me if you would this morning. Bow your heads with me. I wonder today, is there anything in the temple that needs to be carted off? You see, that's where we have to start this morning. So I just ask you, what needs to be removed? Search me, O God. Know my heart. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. What needs to be carted off? Where do you need to be awakened? Maybe you need to pray, God, would you open my eyes? I come and go every week. I go through the routine. I go through the motions. But God, would you open my eyes to what you want to do around me? And then who do you need to be interceding for? Maybe God has laid somebody on your heart today, and maybe that person has been on your heart for quite some time, and yet you've grown lax in lifting them to the Lord. Today's the day. I can't think of a better way to close this prayer series than to pray. So would you come? Would you intercede? Would you ask God to help? Father, we look to you today and we believe in you. And Lord, we know that you want to work more than we can even begin to imagine. And I believe today that for whatever reason that you've chose to work as we pray. So God, give us a heart to pray this morning in Jesus' name. Would you come?